You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. I believe, I believe in this madness that's going around our planet at the moment. It's just craziness. You don't even have to be prophetic to realise our, our planet's just slowly, slowly and quickly, quickly deteriorating. Everything's just vying for our attention. Values are decaying. Stuff that's wrong's right, stuff that's right's wrong, and all this kind of craziness that's going out there. And the thing is that we can buy into that, and we can, our hope and our faith expectation of what God wants to do can be dwindled because the voice of the world, the voice of politics, the voice of what's going around the planet and the, the tough times that are happening can sap our faith, can grab our attention. And that's what those things are designed to do, to do that. And I just feel to encourage us this morning that there's only one solution for that. There's only one remedy to worldliness and thinking that way, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything else takes its place and it minimizes the voice of those things impacting our hearts. And I just want to remind us very quickly, what I'm going to share this morning is probably not, you know, going to blow your socks off this fresh revelation, but I I trust it's going to remind you and stir your faith and encourage you to keep it all about Jesus because this church has a destiny, destiny to represent Jesus well to its community and to its city and to its state and to the nations. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's go quickly to Mark chapter 9. It's not in your notes, uh, not notes, not in the slides there. But let me just read it. I really feel this for you guys. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Matthew, Mark. Are we good? My name's Jimmy. I'll take all the amens you give me. Amen. And we just recently came back from Thailand. We had a great time in Thailand. God did so much. So many good things. And anyway, Thailand, I think they have a cultural thing. As I say amen or someone says amen they want to say it louder than the person saying it. And I loved it. So I'd say amen, and they'd say amen. And I'd say, hold on, I can go louder than that. And I'd say amen, and they'd say amen. So can we become a little bit like a Thai church this morning? That'd be great. Hey! Anyway, Mark chapter nine, verse 14. Um, it says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And the context is that Jesus left his disciples, and um, it's funny how people who argue about the Bible never have any power. I'm sorry if I stepped on your toes, but it's the truth. We argue and make it about minors, and I see it this way, and you see it wrong, and you, no, those people stay away from them. They're divisive, and they want to just promote their own selves and ministry. They'd never had any power. How do we know that? Well, they couldn't cast out this demon. Verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, say as soon, all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet Him. And that's what I want our churches to be like. Not about politics, not about religion, not about all these minor stuff that we can focus on. We wanna make our churches, our lives, our marriage, our ministry, all about proclaiming who Jesus is, amen? Because people might be sick of the church and disillusioned with the church and leadership and all this kind of stuff and our nation is hurting because we've had some stuff hit the church recently. 
But I tell you what, they're not sick and, and disillusioned with the true Jesus. Why? Because he's altogether beautiful and loving and gracious. Amen. So as we present him, our people, the lost, the broken, will, will be overwhelmed with wonder and want to run to go and meet him and greet him. Can you say amen? amen. Wonderful. Come on. I want to prophesy a new season of fruitfulness over Melbourne Lights and effectiveness. The Lord will provide in this season. Come on. COVID has been tough, but it's almost separated the men from the boys, if you know what I mean. And I don't mean that in a cruel way. I just mean that the church that's had its foundation on Jesus has really stood up and flourished in the COVID season. But the church that's made it about other stuff and peripheral things and comfortable and then it's stayed and it's got what it's desired. Amen. So God will continue to provide to Melbourne Lights. He's pouring out His Spirit to lead people to Christ. It's happening already, but He's going to continue to do it. Come on, the way for increase in the kingdom is not to look at what God is not doing, but to celebrate what God is doing. The kingdom is seed time, harvest time. All about the kingdom is seed time, harvest time. Seed time, harvest time. There's no quick fix in the kingdom. We want more. We want increase in this area. We want a harvest. Well, we've got to plant the right seed. We've got to water the right seed and it will produce a harvest if we don't give up. And that's what happens. How do we see more people get saved? More people get healed. More people get set free. How do we see that? Well, we celebrate what God is doing. Not look at what God is not doing. And he's doing it down the church, down that way and all this and all this. And we get so confused and so caught up with what God is not doing and we become an ungrateful people instead of celebrating what God is doing. See, what did Jesus do when he faced lack? What did Jesus do when he faced lack? Because Jesus did face lack. He was ministering. 5,000 men were there and they had two loaves and five fish. Not a very good situation to be in, yeah? We'd call Uber Eats or we'd call someone to come and help us. But back in those days, there was no Uber Eats. There was none of those things. So what did Jesus do? Did he freak out? Did he say, God, why have you sent me to do ministry here? Give me some better people that are better prepared. What did he say? He didn't make any excuse. He took what he had. He took what he had. And he said, Father, thank you for what I have. And I thank you that I said, thank you for what I have. But thank you for what you are doing. And I look up then you will give me what I need and you'll continue to multiply. Can you say amen? amen? See, God's not impressed with what we can give him. Because how many of us can really help God? God knows we can't give him anything. But he's after that heart partnership. He's after that, that desire. He says, God, if you don't move, if you don't touch, if you don't show yourself here, we've got nothing. It's not, church isn't about tricks and mirrors and smoke machines and even I'm not anti those things, but none of those things are the kingdom. <laughs> none of those things are the kingdom. <laughs> the kingdom is the kingdom. How do we know the kingdom? There's joy, there's peace, there's healing, there's breakthrough, there's freedom. That's the kingdom's here, amen. Come on. So looking up, that's what I wanted to get to. <laughs> Let's look up. I feel the Lord's calling us as a church with fresh eyes to look to Him. Come on, some of us may have, may have been disappointed, yeah. let down, distracted, depressed. 
just the weight of this world upon us. What's the solution? What's the solution? It's not work harder. It's not try more. It's not get better. It's not do more things. It's no, maybe let go of some things and make it all of it. Look up with fresh eyes this morning. From where does the help come from? But from Him. Can you say amen? I really believe, I've got a, a real soft heart for singles. Because the lie of the enemy is, unless you're married, you're not complete. And that's a lie from a pit of hell. It's not true. I'm complete in Him. You're complete in Him. You don't need a wife or a husband to complete you. So can I minister to you this morning? Don't make it about finding your partner. Make it about keep your eyes on Him. Look up to Him. Come on, Adam was asleep when God made Eve. That's a good lesson right there. <laughs> what does that mean? That ministers to me that Adam wasn't freaking out trying to find a partner because there was none, obviously. <laughs> but sleep to me speaks of rest. It speaks of God. You've got this. God, I'm going to trust in your timing. God, I'm going to trust in your provision because you, you've got someone you've, you've set aside for me. And I can run around and do all this stuff and dating apps and all. I'm not anti those things as well. Just be careful, please. <laughs> you keep your eyes on Him. Look up. He will provide. Amen. I've got a couple of single daughters, any young men around there, we'd love to. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kind of joking, I'm kind of joking. <laughs> okay, I heard a statement long ago once. It says, look around and you'll be di distressed. How many know some people are distressed at the moment? Why? Because all they're feeling on is looking around, watching the news, watching the latest. It's on your phone, it's on the newspaper, it's on the TV. Looking around will cause us to be distressed. Why? Because this city, this station in our life is not our final destination. Of course it's gonna distress us. It's not home. It's not gonna make sense. When you go to the airport and you're flying somewhere and you're in transit, you don't get to the airport and the transit lounge and say, oh, finally I'm home. It's so good to be home. Okay, oh, I finally arrived at my destination. No, you're in transit. When you get home, you'll say those things. Well, guess what? We're in transit. We haven't arrived home yet. We're all like at the transfer lounge waiting for our next flight to come, which is Jesus. So stuff isn't gonna make sense. Stuff is gonna be hard. But if you focus on stuff that's not making sense, then we're gonna be distressed. And too many people are distressed and their soul can't cope. You ask them to help. You ask them to look out. So we can't. I'd love to help. I'd love to be a part of what you're doing. But physically and emotionally, mentally, I can't. I'm distressed. Well, there's good news for you this morning. God can set you free. He can take what you're distressed about and release you into fresh hope this morning. Look at yourself and you'll be depressed. Unless you're Paul Zanato, because he's perfect. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I love you, my friend. <laughs> but we, we become inward looking, and guess what happens? We're never going to measure up. Why? Because there's someone always going to be better than you. Better looking, better at the thing you do. 
more anointed, more talented, whatever we're. So we become depressed. But the cure for that is look to God, look up, and we'll be blessed. Can you say amen? amen? So the church has been encouraged, commissioned to look up. It's our call and destiny not to look around too much, not to look inward too much, but to look up a lot. Amen. That's our call. That's our destiny. And that's what we're here to learn this morning in the time we have left. <laughs> We've got to go very quickly. So the reality of meeting, someone, meeting God sorry, changes us into a person of mission. One who is willing to leave what is comfortable in order to love and to serve others. And as we take risks to bless others, we will find ourselves not only receiving the gifts and resources necessary to do so, but the greatest blessing of all, His presence in your life. Can you say amen? amen. So meeting God, keeping our eyes upward focused, causes us to be people who live on mission. Causes us to be people who say, you know what, Lord? I'm not gonna make it about looking around. You've got it all covered, the sovereignty of God. You've got it all together under control. My worrying can't add anything to your sovereignty. Am I taking worry about the political climate and what government's in power? Let me tell you, the gospel will work no matter who the prime minister is. <laughs> Thai church, I love you. Now in America, you might not be invited back in the church if you say that about a particular president. But we make, the Western church has made it about political and personal freedom and social freedom and personal prosperity, and those things have got nothing to do with the gospel working. Do you know that? How do I know that? Because in Thailand, the gospel worked. When I preached this same message in Thailand, people got saved, people got healed, people got set free, and they haven't got personal freedom, personal prosperity, social freedom, social prosperity. They've got nothing of that. The gospel still works. But we wanna make it in the Western church about my comfortableness and my values and what I want to see happen. Amen. So we make it about what it's not instead of saying, God, it's all about you. Jesus, it's all about you this morning. And we love you and we celebrate you. Amen. So we're just going to get to two things. And then we're going to get to some practical things. I mean, like practical things out of the Bible. I love it because it's not just theory. Actually, when you put the Word of God in practice, it works. Shock, horror. The Bible works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's two things that are working against us. It's almost like when you go to the dentist and you hear that annoying, painful sound. <laughs> How many like that sound? No, okay, I don't like it either. But it's necessary to fix your tooth. Because with, with the, when the dentist wants to put a filling on a rotten tooth, guess what? It's not going to last, is it? It's going to fall apart. But he needs to get into with that drill, with that annoying sound, and get rid of all the junk and get to it. Trust me, I've got lots of feelings. I know exactly what I'm talking about. But get all that junk out, diagnose the problem, so then you can put something to fix your tooth. So I think there's two factors that we need to recognize in the Western church, and we need to teach on it. We need to teach against it in terms of what the Bible says. But the obstacles that Satan wants to throw to the church to keep us um, deceived and bewitched. The two strong words the Bible uses, Paul uses, to the church he pla churches he planted. Henry, they would have been strong churches, but still the enemy wanted to come in and deceive and bewitch the church. And slowly, not surely, if we don't keep it about Jesus and keep preaching the gospel, 
the church will become deceived and bewitched. Let me show you what I mean. James, um, where is it? James 1.16. The deception that wants to come against the church is that we deceived against the true character of God. Come on, what was Adam and Eve's temptation? Did God really say, is God really good? Does God really wanna help you or does he wanna trick you? What's that? That's a deception against the character of God. And it was powerful because it worked. It deceived Eve. Adam was not deceived. We have a joke. Some of the blokes want to say, come on, it's always Eve's fault. It's always the wife's fault. No. Adam should have taken his responsibility, put his big boy pants on and said, Eve, I know that looks good and I know it's fantastic, but God told us not to touch it. Eve, we're not eating that fruit. That's what Adam should have done. So men, don't blame your wife. Take responsibility because it's your role as a husband to protect your wife. Amen. Anyway, there was deception there. (laughs) And then Paul writes in Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians. Very strong language. We probably, if I said that about Melbourne Lights, not that it's true because it's not, Melbourne Lights is not a foolish church. But if I did say that about a church, I probably wouldn't get invited back there again. You know what I mean? But Paul said it, why? Because he saw the danger in what the enemy was trying to do and he wanted to warn the church. And what was the bewitching? You foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose very eyes Jesus was clearly proclaimed among you as crucified. So there's a bewitching spirit that wants to block the church from living in the effectiveness of the finished work of Jesus. How does it creep in? What if the church becomes about all this other peripheral stuff and it focuses on minors instead of focusing on Jesus and the gospel. And I tell you what's a guarantee way to see the power of God flow in your life when you're out on the streets in Dandenong, when you're in your homes with your disciple groups, wherever you are, the number one way to see the power of God flow, and you guys are already doing it, but just to commend you, is to preach the finished work of Jesus. The gospel is the power of God. Not hopes to be, not if you add it with something else, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, equals the power of God. So when you face any need that you're facing with the gospel, I guarantee you there's more gospel power for that need than needs to overcome that need, if you know what I'm trying to say. Well, Jim, I do it and it doesn't work. Join the club. Come on, how many of you had a 100% success rate in praying for someone? Put your hand up. One person, not one person. The disciples didn't have a 100% success rate. Jesus did. And we're becoming more like him. But we don't arrive 100% success rate. We're all on a journey. We start somewhere. And we make mistakes. And we get it wrong. And what do we do? We say, I'm sorry. Heart right. Lord, help me. Teach me. Show me. And we grow together as a community so that one day maybe we will get to 100%. Don't know? Come on. 
How cool would it be if you walk to Dandenong and you don't say a word? But Gabby is there and the sun's shining. Pretend it's Sydney because the sun's shining. And as she's walking, her shadow passes over someone in the wheelchair and that person gets out of the wheelchair. Come on! And how are we going to get there? It's not going to happen overnight, is it? It's taking a step. It's focusing on these things. Lord, help my heart not be deceived. You're a good God. Come on. As a church, we had to bury a six-month-old baby. In the first six months of taking over Lighthouse, a couple of that were with us dearly, um, the boy got liver cancer. Young boy. We prayed. We fasted. Paul was there. He came with us and prayed. Now, we lost that battle, but Jesus won the war. Like that baby is in glory right now. Now, we can use that as an excuse to say, oh, I see that God's not good. What's... No, but we use it as a teaching moment for the church to say, you know what, even in the midst of trying times, which we don't understand, God is still good. Come on, Psalm 103 says, I taught it last week. Psalm 103, David wrote it. He says, praise the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me, praise His holy name, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Now, I believe David lived as an Old Testament saint with New Testament revelation. Because there's no way David could know that from reading the Old Testament. Because God didn't, never forgave all our sins in the Old Testament. He covered them over. He covered sins for that year over. Not forgiven, not wiped out. Because further on he says in Psalm 103, he forgives your sins from the east to the west. I mean, completely removes your sins. Now David had no way of knowing that except he brought something of the finished work of Jesus into, into his life. And Acts talks about that. Acts chapter two says, David saw the Lord... <laughs> Before it happened. So the point is this. David lived in that place after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He wrote that after that happened. And he still wrote, God forgives me all my sins. He wasn't perfect. He recognized the power of the finished work of the cross as an Old Testament saint. Amen? And then he says, who heals all your diseases. (laughs) Now, David buried his boy. He had a boy with Bathsheba, illegitimate. The boy got sick. It died. Yet David still wrote, God, I'm going to bless you my whole life. You're worthy of it all. And you heal all my diseases. Come on. So don't make an excuse where it doesn't work. Join the club, it doesn't work, but we're tracking somewhere where it's going to work even more and more easier and better. And we're taking people people with us. Amen? Amen. Look up. Don't be deceived. Don't be bewitched to make it about anyone else or anything else or any... That's what I love about Melbourne Lights. It's not about any program. It's not about a personality. It's not about anything else. It's all about Jesus. So to your credit, keep it that way because that's what's going to release the power of God. Amen. Amen. All right, let's finish up with some, some practical things. We good? I don't know what you say if you say no, but 
Let's hope that, that never happens. <laughs> Let's hope it never happens. <laughs> All, right. All right, so three quick things. Number one, through the blood of Christ, we have reconciliation, which is a beautiful theological word, but it just means there's peace. There's peace between you and God through the blood of Jesus. In other words, there's no separation between you and God. None. Now let that sink in for a second. Because although we, most of us as Christians probably know that, but we don't live that. And I'm tired of just knowing stuff and not living stuff. I wanna live some stuff. And you wanna live some stuff? Yeah. So my Bible says and your Bible says that there's no separation because of the finished work of Christ, I have complete access to God 24-7. Not in a building. Not just when I'm doing good stuff. Not when I have a, you know, when I have a good day. How many have good days? How many have bad days? Well, in between the good days and the bad days, there's still no separation between you and God. Come on. If you've understood the gospel. Because if you haven't, then you think God's only with you when you have a good day. When you don't kick the cat. How many kick cats? No, don't put your hand up. Please don't. Put your hand up. <laughs> Come on. Hebrews 10, 19 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Because of the blood of Jesus. Say, because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Nothing else qualifies you except the blood of Jesus. Well, Jim, I've been a Christian 20 years. Good for you. I'm glad you're a Christian, but that doesn't qualify you to enter the the presence of Jesus. Well, Jim, I come to church whenever it's open. Praise God, keep doing that. But that doesn't qualify you. I'll read my Bible every day, Jim. Surely God's got to bless me. No, even that doesn't qualify you. I'm glad you read your, keep reading your Bible because you're going to learn and you're going to grow and your faith's going to be stirred. But none of those things qualify us. And the others, the, the flip's the same. The flip's the same. Maybe you're not living how you should be living. Be honest. None of us are perfect. We've got weaknesses, shortcomings. Praise God for the gospel. He helps us in our time of need. He gives us mercy when we go to Him and ask Him. His mercies are new every day. So the the quicker we learn that actually the gospel is the gospel and nothing separates us, the quicker we enjoy the fruit of intimacy with the Lord. And then we live out, we live out what it means to be gospel Christians. We live out with the power and people watch us. You know people are watching you right now? They're watching you, not in a creepy way. <laughs> Just the people you work with, the people you play football with, the people you have a beer with maybe. They're watching you. What happens when you're tested? What happens when things don't go your way? How do you respond? And if you live consistent, close to God, then you've understood the gospel. Amen? Amen. So one of the great privileges of seeing people come through in, in, in leadership in the church is that people are consistent. Show me someone who lives a consistent life, 
and I show you someone who's understood the gospel. Because a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people are up and down, aren't they? There's no condemnation, not judging, but they're up and down. Things are going well. Yeah, praise God, hallelujah. (laughs) Things are not going well and the whole world knows about it. You know what I mean? Matt laughs because he knows exactly what I mean. (laughs) But we understood that there's no separation. I'm close to God today as I was yesterday or when I first got born again. God loves me just the same today as when I first became a Christian. And you might, have, you might be here this morning and think, well, Jim, I've, as a Christian, I've done some terrible stuff that I'm ashamed to mention. I wanna give you hope this morning. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. This morning, if you repent, turn away from those things and ask God to help you and in faith cry out to Jesus, he can not only wipe those things away, but give you fresh courage and hope and freedom to walk into your destiny this morning. Amen? No more lies. Next one, and we're getting there. It's reconciliation. (laughs) Um, Reconciliation by His blood provides us with forgiveness of sin. So there's no separation, but also we need to understand that God has forgiven us all our sins. Every single one of them. You know, you might have been Christian a long time and you think, well, Jim, I know God's forgiven me. But again, you might know something, but are you living that way? So I tell you, if you're living conscious that God's forgiven you all your sin, you'll have joy in your life, won't you? You'll easily forgive others who hurt you. Why? Because you understand, God, you've forgiven me. I hurt you so many times. I've let you down so many times. But God, you still give me grace. So if I'm living with the finished work of Jesus, understood the gospel, God's forgiven me consistently, then I can walk around and forgive Mark if he doesn't make me a nice cup of coffee. Sorry, mate. Which is impossible. Which is impossible. There we go. Good word. Thanks. Thanks, mate. You bailed me out. Thank you. <laughs> Come on. Paul says in Psalms, blessed and happy are those, say happy. You know, the best advertisement for a Christian is a happy Christian for Christ, is a happy Christian. Happy Christians. Blessed and happy are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered up and completely buried. Blessed and happy is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account nor charge against him. Can you say amen? amen? When Jesus died for you on the cross, He took all your sins on the cross He died as a sinner. And when he was buried, he took all your sins and my sins in the grave with him. And three days later, he rose out of that grave victorious. Your sin stayed in the grave. He left it all behind. So you and I don't have to walk in the power of sin anymore, the pressure of sin. It's all been dealt with. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. This morning there's freedom to let go of long-term sinful habits. Things that we think, well, I'm just born this way. I get angry all the time because I'm Italian and I love soccer and I drink coffee and and I get angry in the traffic and Sorry, mate. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking. I'm joking, I'm joking. Not at all. But that's a lie, isn't it? 
It's a lie because the power of the gospel means sin, the power of sin has been broken off your life. Now, we're still going to struggle with stuff. My advice would be to talk to someone about it. But the Bible says confess your sins to one another. Let people know that you trust what's happening. But more importantly, allow the Holy Spirit today to enforce the blood of Jesus over your life to set you free from sin. You don't have to put up with it any longer. As a Christian, we have a choice to live in freedom or live in bondage. Before you're a Christian, there was no choice. No choice because we're just doing what our sinful nature wants us to do. And we're loving it. It's killing us, but we're loving it. Until we come to faith and we think, no, I don't love that anymore. I hate that. Can I get rid of that? And the temptation is, Lord, I can say no, but I can say yes. Lord, help me to say no. Help me to run to you. The Bible says in Titus, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Allow the grace of God through the finished work of the Jesus to help you to say no. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 And lastly, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of forgiveness, reconciliation makes us overcomers by, by making us righteous. How many righteous Christians do we have in the room this morning? Right, how many of you are righteous by the blood of Jesus? Put your hand up. It's not a trick question, okay? I'm not gonna, I'll ask it again one more time. How many of you are righteous by the blood of Jesus this morning? How many of you are proud of it? You know, there's no other righteousness except for the God, God's kind of righteousness. There's a self-righteousness that the Bible calls filthy rags. It's dirty before Him. Because none of us can ever be as righteous as God. So we are, our hope is only we're righteous by the blood of Jesus. And by faith, we've received the gift of righteousness, the Bible says. In Romans, um, where is it? Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offence death reigned through that one man, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign. Say reign. The reign is the word that a king does. A king reigns. He rules. He has authority over. So because we have the gift of righteousness, we have authority over. We can rule and reign in this life through that one person, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The gift of righteousness has given us an overcoming, victorious position before God. Without it, we cannot stand. But with it, we can face all the attacks of the enemy because it's not our righteousness, it's His righteousness. Why is God answering our prayers? Because Jesus is righteous and we have His righteousness. God doesn't answer just Matt's prayers or Elodie's prayer or the eldership or the deacons. He wants to answer your prayers. Why? Because if you understood the gospel, you are as righteous as them, you're as righteous as Christ. And because you're as righteous as Christ, God listens to your prayers. No other reason. Well, what if I read and pray more? Please, please read and pray more, but none of those things qualify you to get God to answer your prayers. It's you living in this, the gift of righteousness. Lord, I wake up every day. Thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ. Thank you that yesterday's buried Yesterday's gone. 
Today, mercy is new every day. Today, I put on the gift of righteousness. I'm not righteous in my own strength. I'm not righteous because I perform righteously. Now, if you start confessing this over your life and start living this way, you'll begin to live in the fruit of righteousness. You'll begin to walk out what it means to be righteous. But those things don't qualify you to be righteous. It's only the gift. That way it's it's accessible for everyone. So everyone can be a missionary in Melbourne. Melbourne needs missionaries. And they don't have to come from another country. God's brought you here to be a missionary for Melbourne. Sydney needs missionaries. They need to sound like Sydney ciders and look like Sydney ciders. Maybe not. Anyway, I won't get there. (laughs) But God wants to send us with the truth that we are on assignment, not by our own righteousness. We live close to God. We're not separated from Him. All our sins are forgiven. We live whole, complete, joyous, peaceful lives as we are witness and live whole for Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. And as the church gets mobilised to do that, come on, ain't no lockdown gonna stop the church. Come on, the church is, and I've closed my notes, I've closed everything, all right? The church is the most equipped people group on the planet to face adversity. There's no other people group on the planet like the church. We have kingdom resources available to us 24-7. God's taking care of our past, our present, our future. He's taking care of our bodies, our souls, and our spirit. Everything's been taken care of. Lord, we're here for you. We wanna let your glory shine this place. Can you say amen? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.